Hello and welcome to another episode of the Game Dev London podcast. My name is Adam and you can refer to me as he, him. And today I am with uh, your friend and mine, Stuart DeVille. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Nice how, simple how, are you do? What do you need? how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm you good? very good. Tired, but excited about life. Yeah, that's, that seems to be the film. I mean, that, that response seems a little bit random. Speaking of random, today we're going to be talking oh. about randomness in video games. So we're particularly going to be looking at uh, what it means to have something that is random. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, think spawning random items, the difference between uh, random content, procedural content, and sort of handcrafted or curated content, the games which those are involved in, and the compromise you have to make as a developer on which way, which direction you go and the pros and cons of all of those. Have you had a bit of a random week, Stu? Um, I've, I have actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had I've had many random things go wrong, and I couldn't I couldn't have planned any of it. In fact, the plans that I did have were ruined by very random things. And this is a big part of randomness: is that it's it's uncontrollable and unknowable. Because the thing that I found with randomness is, uh, is that a lot of people expect have have a uh predilection on what randomness means so for example if i said to you Stu, i want you to give me uh five random numbers between naught and ten give me give me five random numbers uh five two seven one and nine so five two seven one and nine now that seems pretty pretty random you know so you just picked a bunch of numbers but where it gets interesting is actually that is very, very not random. And the reason it's not random is because Stu has done things in there which make sense in his brain. It sounds like I'm just calling Stu out on being not very random. Damn it, Stu. Be, <laughs> be more chaotic. Um, but To be fair, it's not random because I did have a thought pattern in my head. So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. And not only did you have a conscious thought pattern, you also had a subconscious thought pattern. Humans are real big fans of patterns. We like to see things. We like to see, we, we are very We are very careful to see patterns. It's why, you know, if you look at buildings, brickwork, famous paintings, those kind of thing, normally they lean themselves in certain patterns. And we're not big fans of things when they are out of place. Now, when it comes to randomness, obviously randomness suggests being out of place. And actually the out of placeness is the, the pattern that we're looking for, which is sort of a reverse way of thinking about it. But that makes sense when you think about Stuart's numbers. He got five, he's got him in the middle. Two, he drops down, but that's quite low. Jumps back up to go like, oh, let's go all the way to the other end, goes to seven. Again, it's very high, jump back down to one and then up again to nine. So it feels pretty random and chaotic. But he, but the thing is, is when you take it to something who, something that doesn't have that, uh, the predilections, that, that force of pattern, so a computer, what, what, what equals random to a computer is very different. For example, a random pattern to a computer might be one, 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 one. That could be a random pattern. And the moment I say that, people think about it, they go, that's, that's not random. Look at it. It's, it's five ones in a row. It's like, yeah, but it's random. It could be anything. You don't know. You may have had it before where you're listening to your favorite playlist, for example, uh, and you hear two, two songs by the same artist, one after the other, and you there go, and your brain goes, oh, hang on, is shuffle on? Let me go and double check. And, da, da, da. and normally it is. It's just that you're assuming that because it's on random, it can't be two things. There should not be patterns. And if you see a pattern, then you think that something is wrong. 
And this is where it starts to get really interesting because a lot of people start putting in randomness into their games to, to bring a bit of chaos into it so that they don't have to think about the chaos. Because chaos is difficult for us to, to consider, as just demonstrated by Stu. When you have to think about, you know, give me five random numbers, you have you have to go, okay, that one, but then I want to... And then you start adding those patterns in. You're like, well, maybe not that one and go down to this. And, da, da, da. and it, it takes a lot longer. And this is especially true for a game. If you imagine something like a, a field... And you're going to put some trees and some rocks and some other bits and pieces in there. If you had to do that by hand, you'd be going, I'm going to put a tree there. Maybe one, oh, not that close, maybe over here. Maybe some rocks down here. And you really think through all the stages of where those things are going to have to be. And that can take you, depending on how well your pipelines are set up, it can still take a good hour. Whereas if you can press a uh, randomly distribute button and click it and it just throws a bunch of trees and you go, uh, that's okay, let's try another one. And just hit random 10 times until you're happy with it. That's much easier. And and to some extent fun to kind of watch it go, woohoo, and see lots of random patterns happen. But <laughs> it's a lot easier. And that's the point. So a lot of people tend towards using randomness, but don't take into account the fact that randomness could also mean that all those trees and all those rocks and all those plants exist on exactly the same point or are all colliding with each other. Because randomness works in some places, but in a lot of places, what you're really talking about is procedural generation, which is where we ha we use randomness, but contain it within a selection of rules. So, for example, if I said to go back to my original question, Stu, give me a random number. Random number 25. Exactly. Right. You just had all the numbers in all of existence because I just said a random number. He could have said minus 10. He could have said 2 billion. He could have said uh, minus 100,791.5 if he felt like it. He didn't. Yeah. And he went for 25, which is absolutely fine because I put zero parameters on it. Now, the problem is, is that what if, what if I had wanted something specific? Say, for so let's try and condense it down to a grid, right? Let's imagine in, imagine in your heads, if you will, a three by three grid. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. If you've said, the first thing you want to do is go, let's put two random things on there. They could go anywhere on there. But say you're trying to keep people separate. Maybe it's a battle between two sides and you want to keep them on separate sides of the grid. So you put your first one down, okay, and now you go, right, the next one has to follow a new set of rules, which means it can only be at the opposite end. So if it was the first one was on one, two, three, the next one can only be seven, eight, nine. If it was on three, maybe it can only be six. You start to think about, well, seven in that case. You start to think about, okay, how do I start to play this around? So have you come across this? Where, have you come across examples of procedural generation in, you, in sort of the games that you've been working on, Stu? Yeah, the first game I worked on was an endless runner. Um, and the tiles that appeared, whether you could pass them or not, um, and what types of tile they were, were randomly generated, just so that uh, the player always had some different calculations to make in their head. Mm -hmm. What kind of rules did you put in place on those? That is a very good question. I think we had, um, there. I think it was something like there had to be a certain number of passable um, tiles versus the number of impassable tiles. And we also had, uh, we then injected like trap tiles that you had to jump over or mm. interact with in some way um and i think that became again another percentage of what would be so that in front of you i think it was a row of six or seven and out of that six or seven there was a percentage for each thing that could be on that row and some rows um did end up just like blank based on that uh, so and that's exactly it is that you 
this is where it gets complicated because the more and more rules you put down the more and more space there are for things to break those rules things like blank spaces tiles that don't work patterns and this is where we get into the interesting area of what does randomness mean to a computer so again randomness is an idea of just sort of chaotically reaching into the void and picking out something that fits within the parameters that you've got i ask you for a random number he gives me a random number except that number always has rules on it and that is also true for a computer it just doesn't seem like it when it comes to computers the randomness is not normally linked somehow intrinsically to time and a seed and a seed is just basically instancing your randomness so saying i want a randomness of factor one i want a randomness of factor two it's not though it's not a multiply it doesn't make it more or less random it may it just basically changes how the randomness persists over time so for example a randomness of seed one the pattern for numbers one to ten might give you the numbers two four twenty no it wouldn't because one to ten this is how bad i am at randomness <laughs> two seven nine three five but then if you put in it started it with a two instead it might have gone one four eight two three for example same sort of random generator different set of random numbers this is really good for testing out variations of randomness because you don't know what you're going to get when you use random generation you could get something that works perfectly first time or something that looks like a, a hot mess and using seeds allows you to change it You'll recognize the, the phrase seed if you've played Minecraft, for example. You can put in a seed at the beginning of Minecraft to create the world in which you exist in. And this is where it gets interesting is that you will also find, if you look online, people talking about the best seeds or oh, this seed gave me this or this seed was really difficult and people will play it because it allows you to use randomness to create uh, a world or a space or a, a distribution of objects that is preset because the randomness is preset. It's not actually truly random because true randomness is incredibly difficult to do because it because you're having to pluck something out of nowhere and you can't pluck something out of nowhere. The best you can come up with is a preset pattern that's pretty chaotic and seemingly without form and utilize that as though it was random numbers. This gets into a weird area of things like uh, cryptography because it gets becomes a real pain when you're starting to do things with banks and that kind of stuff because they need to use random numbers to hide things from each other and uh, protect your accounts and all this kind of stuff and obviously it's incredibly difficult so if you ever looked into prime numbers they get used a lot because of the, their unique factors they get used a lot for things like cryptography um, and you'll only see this by going by the big competitions where it's like oh you get a million you will give you millions of pounds if you can find the next prime number like if you were interested in that kind of stuff we'll put it in the show notes and you can go and look it up but the point is is that randomness is difficult at the, at the best of times so you want to start looking at these kind of patterns and, and spawning of objects and looking at which ones work for you so normally for example a typical example for me is something like an asteroid field so we're working on a game at the minute so me and Stu are working on a game where there is a whole bunch of random debris in space that you have to fly through now, I set it up so that there's a big cube in space and I spawn a bunch of objects inside it randomly. But I control that randomness by a couple of things. For one, I see it. For two, I set parameters like how many objects are going to be in that space. How far apart do I kind of want them to be? What's the uh, size of the objects, etc. And then when I create them all, I look at the pattern and I go, right, if all the objects are all spawning in the bottom left, that's not great and doesn't really work for me. So I change the seed try again what is this new seed like okay now they're kind of relatively evenly distributed at random points around the map that i'm happy with and then i go forward with that new pattern and that's where we're starting to move into that that space of that sort of it's blurring the line between procedure generation 
uh, and randomness. Procedural generation, for those who are sort of wondering, you've said it a couple of times, what you're talking about here, is just the procedural art of creating things using randomness that is sort of uh, curtailed by parameters. So essentially it's going, instead of just saying, give me a random X, give me a random Y, give me whatever, it's using give me a random this within these ranges within this expense and then i'll use that number to then affect the next thing and the next thing and the next thing so instead of just you know creating something that makes no sense and has no shape or form it's just a it's a mess of whatever randomness came up with it creates it within a set of parameters it would be a bit like trying to randomly generate a recipe right you could just randomly generate a recipe and have 10 onions uh, a kilogram of sugar two teaspoons of vanilla essence, uh, a banana, uh, some molasses, uh, some milk, uh, some salt, uh, and a carrot. And it would be the worst thing that you've ever eaten in your entire life because there's no control. It doesn't take into account nuance. It doesn't take into account context. What works with the other things? Are we looking at only sweet or are we looking at savory? Are we looking for certain flavors? By adding these sort of parameters and starting to control the randomness, you can actually generate something that, yeah, okay, it still might not work. It still might, you know, you might generate something where the ratio is off, but it doesn't make a cake. It makes a, a flat or a nothing. But mm -hmm. you could find something new within that space because you take on the rules of nature that you're aware of and then paint on top of them this kind of randomness that allows you to sort of explore the space without you having to worry about making decisions. So... Now you've got an idea of sort of randomness to generation. Let's talk about the other part of this scale, if you were, which is handcrafted generation. So have you got an experience of handcrafted generation, Stu? Um, <clears throat> it, are we, so are we talking about, like, um, obviously, if you are designing a level, you could do procedurally generated, or you can handcraft it so that the player's eye is led a, a particular direction, and so might go head in that direction it's essentially yeah it's going on to that next level it's that idea of instead of saying look just randomly give me a bunch of stuff it's you as the as the designer placing everything in exactly where it needs to go so there's no randomness there's no generation you'll see this a lot in level design so think about 3d games right somebody has very carefully thought about that level every angle every space uh can, where can you see should i put a ramp here should i put a corridor here do you turn left or right all those decisions made by a human who is designing every single piece and handcrafting it so that it is perfect. They are not leaving anything to chance or to randomness. They are designing it piece by piece. They are handcrafting it. And this particularly comes relevant in, in AAA spaces because it's very they are very careful about the experiences that you're going to have because it's dangerous for you know a game that's very reliant on its audience to leave it up to chance. An example of this might be something like uh no man's sky which is completely which is, is a huge game built around pretty generation you get some planets on no man's sky which are rubbish they have no uh environment or they have high sentinels or they have something that just makes you like you know what this planet doesn't matter and they get around that by having so many different planets that every time you find a terrible planet then you're only you know 10 minutes away from finding a fantastic planet and balances out right. but imagine if your entire experience was that one terrible planet that's the whole game it's on that one planet it's not a fun game and so handcrafting, handcrafted solutions get around this by designing it by hand, but they use a huge amount of time and resources because you have to build them up yourself. Have you done much in terms of level design when you've done use uh, you've handcrafted it yourself or you know game designs do? Yeah, so I mean, I was just thinking about um, there are specifically obviously I've done like environment art and things like that, mm. um, 
and there have been times when you can set up um, you can set up the environment in such a way that it feels like it's this open space and that everything's random, but you know, for example, if the player has this 360 degree view, they're going to look for these um, these pillars or, or these items that kind of stand out along the landscape. And when they see one, they're just naturally going to be like, that's an interesting thing. I'm going to go investigate over there. Whereas if there's this just wide open space, depending on what they want to do, obviously, if they just want to go running through empty space, then they might head towards that empty space. But it tends to be that people want to head towards certain things that seem like they might be interesting. And this even comes down to things like once you've got, say you have that you bring the player's attention to this um, wooded area, if it's just like a big wall of trees, again, that's not particularly interesting, but you can lay things in uh, in the line of sight that would make it look like there's a, a bigger gap there. So maybe that's like a pathway and maybe there's some like rock formations nearby that also add to that attention. And this is where it gets really interesting. And I have to think about this, which is that one of the key things for randomness, especially when we're talking about in indie development or small studio development, is what it does is it gives you depth in a way that you couldn't get uh, unless you had a massive team. So if you take that example of the wood, if you imagine a wood of, let's say, 10 trees, right? If you use if you used uh, procedural generation, those 10 trees could, you know, they'll be spaced pretty randomly and it'll look quite like a, a wood. But equally, you could just place those 10 trees in a way that looks, you know, looks really neat uh, or guides the player in a certain way. And maybe that's going to work out better for your game. But we're talking about 10 trees. Now level it up to a thousand trees. Try and imagine how long it would take for one level designer or one environment artist to move a thousand trees to exactly where they need to be. We're talking hours, days, maybe even weeks of just solidly tweaking trees and then going back to a previous tree and then moving that tree and doing that kind of thing. And when you get to a thousand trees, many of them are not going to matter, right? Many players are just going to walk in straight lines. Many players are not going to see that far. They may even just avoid the wood altogether. But... If you are doing everything by handcrafting, then you are saying to that level designer, no, 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 every tree is important. You must move a thousand trees. And if it takes one minute per tree and it takes a thousand minutes for you to do this, then so be it. I have, I am the manager and my fist has gone down, right? Which is not great. <laughs> but randomness in that case is not going to take that long. You know for, for a fact that for a generation, if it works for 10 trees, it will work for a thousand trees because you know the parameters, you know the rules that you set up. It doesn't really matter. And, you know, and this is where it makes your life easier because you have a thousand trees. You, even if you're a solo developer, you don't need the, that 10, you know, thousand minutes. You can just go, all right, procedurally generate a forest of a thousand trees. And the, the trees are just going to appear and look like a forest because they'll have slightly random positions, slightly random rotations within the rules that you've set and look about right. And even then, you can then go in and handcraft stuff. Say you want a path to cut through those trees. You can go in and click the trees that you need to. But now we're talking 30, 40 trees, not 400, 500 trees or, a thousand, or whatever, how many trees you need to make it. You're just talking about moving the ones that are in the wrong place. And this is where we can start to move into that space between procedural generation and handcrafting and how they can come together to create, to give you uh, strength in your design. I would say e even in that process that you've got there, it, if you are procedurally generating a thousand trees, you can set up parameters that will allow, you, allow the uh, engine to create paths within that and create open spaces within that. Um, and even connect those connect those paths to those open spaces. And again, like you said, you can always just use the, find the right seed that works for you, um, depending on how much um, 
how much of it you want it to be scripted and how much you just like it could just be that ran totally random is absolutely fine but it might be that there's a specific kind of random that you're looking for and this is the thing where and this is taking it back to that depth point it's that procedure generation can go as far as you want it to as you want or need it to go so if you have a very specific same path in mind then it's going to be difficult for you to procedurally generate that ahead of time however if you just need paths to cut through the forest go maybe from a to b or whatever it's going to be you can you can code that in that's relatively straightforward to do right you're just telling it you're just giving it the procedure generation the rules of don't make it in this kind of space or define a path and then don't put trees on it or whatever it's going to be it's relatively straightforward and so the more uh specific you have to be the less useful procedure generation it is but the less specific you are and the more you just need a little bit of variation and a bit of you know a bit of depth to what you're making the more useful it becomes and really that's where it gets into this interesting space of the comparison between use of a procedure of procedure generation and randomness as an indie developer and where it can give you the strengths that allow you to take on bigger games and this is where we get into things like uh depth in random mechanics so an example of this would be weapon generation one of the most famous examples of random weapons is the game borderlands so borderlands uses a system whereby all the guns in the game are procedurally generated they have a few base parameters so I think they have about six different makes of guns, all of which have specific quirks, like some shoot really fast, some are designed to be thrown and blow up like grenades, some are designed to be uh, use energy, whatever it might be. They have a couple of key factors, and then after that, they randomize it. They randomize, you know, things like the damage within within the parameters of where you are in the game in terms of your levels. So that you don't suddenly find a weapon that's just so unbelievably overpowered, it's pointless. But within parameters that are attached to the level that you are in the game, they will randomize the strength of the weapon and the distance and the firing speed, the magazine size and all these kind of things, because it allows for this depth in gameplay that they get gain from the fact that you're always looking for, is this weapon better than this? Or, you know, is it worth buying this weapon? Or what kind of weapon do I want to be looking for? And um, you know what, I is this weapon still good, even though it's five levels old now, it's still really powerful and all these kind of questions. So that when you get, uh, when you're playing the game, that all adds to the depth of the the mechanics it adds to the depth of the law to your engagement because it's part of your mindset when nobody's had to program that they haven't had someone sitting there for a thousand hours programming different guns one after another with slightly variation you know add 10 here minus six here whatever it may be they've just set it up they've just set up the rules and the parameters and they've tested it a whole bunch of times and gone this seems to be about right and then tied it into the, your level in the game so that it scales with you so that you don't so that you get all this fun and from the mechanics and they've not had to pour in thousand thousand hours to create something of, of an intense quality from being handcrafted and this is one of the advantages that you can have as an indie developer is that you can utilize these kind of scaling mechanics that come from randomness and procedural generation to create something that is significantly more deep or powerful or wide or long or complex than if you had to single-handedly build every single piece it's also a really good way of injecting um i, I guess it's commonly known as like the surprise element but like the the joy of finding an item and it being like such a reward to have found that particular item like when i play borderlands i was if ever i found a weapon that caused um extra fire damage over time or poison damage over time and and preferably it was a sniper rifle that did that <laughs> then then that that was the the weapons where i was like ah oh, yes god i would want them for one of those and it, if it was more powerful than the last one i picked up then again like even even better and i think that it also helps in terms of like 
for that particular setup helps for different people's play styles, right? Mm. Some people want the big um, shotguns that just deal tons of damage and they could just charge in there and try and obliterate everything. And then there are people like me who want to like pick things off and kill things slowly. <laughs> but yeah, it, it enables these different play styles to emerge within your game. Mm-hmm. And you see it a lot with uh, any kind of loot, loot and shooter. Anything that uses loot you normally, normally uses some kind of form of this mechanic. You get it a lot with... Um, you can see, if you look at some of the most popular games that you've played, you will see that there is some kind of procedural mechanic in there that's creating just a little bit of randomness that adds depth through uh, rewarding repeat play for you trying to find... If you've ever had to pick up something and gone, oh, this is the best version of X, or this is a slightly better version than the previous version I had, then you're probably dealing with that kind of mechanic. Pokemon Go, the IVs of your Pokemon are a random mechanic. Uh, in Destiny, the stats of your gun have a sense of randomness to them, depending on the level that they are, uh, I believe. I have to double check that one. Uh, mm-hmm. In, obviously, like I said, in Borderlands, in, um, you know, obviously this also goes into the area of loot boxes and we'll, we'll steer away from that for now. But the whole point yeah. of this kind of random element for game, uh, a, particular, a particular classic one, are roguelikes, right? Roguelike games use randomly generated dungeons, randomly generated maps, all these kind of things um to create depth where otherwise there may not have been so that the person who's creating the game is not has built the mechanics of the game and doesn't have to be as concerned about the extent of the levels they'll add things like like scales to them so that the the levels get more complex over time but the whole point is that they don't have to worry about every single level so if you if you play 10 50 100 levels you don't get to 100 levels and think you know, you get to you don't get to ten levels and go, oh, I've run out of levels. You get you keep going and keep going, keep scaling and scaling with you so that you can keep playing because that's how they they're setting up the procedural generation to take that into account. And that's why this is where it becomes powerful. The more you look at like indie games, the more you'll see random generation. It's not in all of them. Don't get me wrong. And there are some fantastic handcrafted indie games, but many of them have taken many many years to make. And even they will have random elements in there. Take for example, I was just thinking of one, Stardew Valley, right? Classic game, loved by hundreds, made you know, made almost almost solely by concerned ape, and he's brought people on over time. A lot of you know, handcrafted like narrative and village and that kind of thing, but with huge amounts of procedural elements in there. Placement of the trees, whether you get how much wood you get from knocking down a tree, uh, you know, how much damage your items take when you're knocking a tree down at the point at which they break. Um, whether certain events happen at certain times, whether the uh, the fairy turns up and blesses you with good crop, the rate at which you find uh, iridium in the mines, the mines themselves, the different levels and the variation of the rocks. And it can work against you and it can work for you, but it adds just that little bit of chaos and um, complexity to the game that keeps you coming back and coming back on top of the fact that there's already this like well-crafted handcrafted narrative going on there are these random elements that just add to just stretch it out to give you this depth in gameplay without concerned about having to build every single mechanic i think um gamers should be or people who identify as gamers maybe i should say will will be very familiar with the term um the rng gods are with me today because that's <laughs> yep. that's one of the things when you're playing with and, and you know that there's random number generation, and you you know that the the um, that yeah, if you if you've got something like a weapon or something with really good stats, then you're like, oh my god, that's that's actually really lucky. The the, the random number generator has worked in my favour. So, 
to bring it back to the home and think about it from that perspective as, as you at home as an indie developer and in, in your game really what we're talking about here is that you may or may not be using randomness already certainly i recommend that you have randomness somewhere in development because if you see if you think you can craft the entire game by yourself maybe you can but the odds are it's going to take two three times as long as if you use a bit of randomness to help stretch out some of the areas in there really what we're talking about here is the art of utilizing randomness in terms of procedure generation to create things which are uh work for you work for your game are not going to uh make it feel unusable or unplayable in certain circumstances or feel generic or otherwise we're trying to help so think about the places where you're using it are you using it for your map for your forest are you just letting it be whatever it may be because if you are have you tested everything have you tested that maybe one person's going to play it and they're you know they have an older pc and their randomness is a bit different and all the trees are going to end up on the left hand side does it work if that happens is it just a funny trick or is it something that you need to take into account when you're developing your game but equally if you are making that forest and you're going i am going to place every single tree Please don't place every single tree. I really like this example of the tree because if anybody, if, uh, lots of people have made forests, 2D, 3D or otherwise, please don't try and place every single tree. There's a better way to do it. And that's important because especially when you come to things like game jams, uh, short development mm. cycles, uh, trying to achieve some kind of goal in a rapid period of time, this is where procedural generation comes into its own because it allows you to get really, really far, really, really quick. So if you take, for example, so we worked on a game for the Game Dev London Winter Jam called Bauble's Gate. Yes, fantastic. Yep, thank you, thank you. I can hear, you. I can hear your applause. Um, the <laughs> that was me. You came up with that. Um, the uh, we had a forest in that game where you had to go out and find a weapon in the forest and you and collect uh, baubles from the forest. And initially, it was quite small because I was just testing it. But once I tested the mechanics and I knew how how to work it. I expand. I just dragged it out and said, right, spawn over this much bigger period with this slightly random placements and stuff. And it looked like a forest. It just looked like a natural forest. And that's the thing is that when it's done right, it's not about people going, wow, this is so amazing. It's about it fitting in with the environment. Nobody questioned that it was a forest because everyone went in and went, oh, yeah, this looks like a forest. It's fine. Had every tree been in a straight line with each other in like rows and columns, maybe people would have thought, is this a tree sanctuary is there some weird alien force going on there because even though it's easier for you to do that it doesn't look right it looks strange whereas just the process and this is for example with the trees here is how i did it the process of going i have a square of uh this over this long and this high i want you to place one at every one along that line um and then add in point add, add or take a random number between 0.25 and minus 0.25 on the x and y so that they shuffle just a little bit and then see what that looks like that is enough that's enough just to give you just a little bit of chaos to turn what could just look like a really unnatural rigid shape to something that looks natural to the point at which it's just accepted and that's what you're trying to, you're just trying to create something that doesn't break immersion that makes people just go yeah it's, this is natural because nature is chaos nature is random if you look outside you will see you know you can't tell you can't tell where every blade of grass is right grass is just it just randomly spawns based on the wind at the time and, and wind is is 100 chaos so it's about just using it just enough to give yourself that edge when it comes to that kind of creating an actual environment or creating depth in your gameplay or creating things that uh, allow you to you know more hours and more time to have an engaging experience without making it feel unfair without making it feel unnatural and going back the other way 
uh, and without forcing yourself to handpick everything that you're doing. Are you going to use randomness in your game, Stu? <laughs> um, the one we're working on at the moment, absolutely, actually, um, because we do have some elements where um, uh, there are items that you collect um, that give your characters um, certain benefits in one way or another. And yeah, rather than, like you say, handcrafting every single item um, that you will randomly find, because there's likely to be quite a few of them, Rather than being like, okay, that that needs to be this setting and that needs to be that setting, that will definitely be RNG, and people will praise the RNG gods for <laughs> for the items they receive in our game. <clears throat> Absolutely, and I recommend if you are making a game or playing a game that involves randomness, do pray, just put a little shrine to the RNG gods, and hope that they they shine brightly on you, and that all of your legendary loot dreams come true. Um, if this is something that you are interested in, and I hope you are, so I I think as a, I use randomness in basically every game that I've ever worked on, but that may come from the fact that I'm a programmer. If you are an artist or you are in a different field, there are ways of you bringing that into your field as well. There are engines out there like Houdini. Uh, Blender has elements of being able to help you with procedure generation. It works across sectors. It's architecture, architectural uh, procedure generation is a massive area. But it's also true in places like pixel art and all this kind of thing as well. Do look into it. It's something that I heavily recommend in all fields. You've heard how we're talking about it. You've sort of seen the, the power that random generation can bring to you. I also recommend if you are really interested in learning more about this, then looking up the uh, proc gen, so procedure generation proc gen community uh, and the proc gen jam. Because as a community, they are really heavily invested in supporting people, learning about procedure generation, different ways of doing it, all the different uh, cool and crazy functions out there like uh, wave function collapse and Perlin noise, um, which allow you to just do fantastic stuff from a computer, which I heavily recommend you looking into. Um, but you can go and find all that by going to, by looking for it. We'll put some uh, notes in the show notes as well so that you can go and find that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, hopefully you you have learned a little bit about randomness and generation today and it's something that you may go and use in your games in the future. And I would say if you've uh, randomly listened to this episode, then maybe go randomly listen to another episode. <laughs> well, eg exactly. And on, on that note, that concludes another episode of the Game Dev London podcast. Thank you for listening. If you've liked the stuff that you listen and you want to find out more, you can find out more by going to gamedev.london uh, to find out more about this episode, our previous episodes. If you want to find out more about, you know, where you can get involved, our community, all that kind of thing, go to gamedev.london forward slash links. If you do end up using randomness in one of your games, please do let us know by going to gamedev.london forward slash feedback and letting us know how you thought about this episode, how you ended up using randomness, what it was useful for, anything that's going to come in handy like that we want to know so that we can tell people in the future but otherwise thank you for watching watching or listening to today's episode and we'll see you this time next week for another episode of the game dev london podcast bye bye